Hi, good evening, good evening, everybody. Thank you for joining us today. Um, we've got uh, my host, uh, Neo Murabedi. We are, got, we are live currently on TikTok. We are live on Riverside FM. We are live um, as well uh, in Telegram and uh, on Twitter. Uh, you are welcome to ask our, your questions like we have posted uh, as uh, the week started last week. Uh, we've got a guest speaker today where we will be discussing issues that touches everybody. It touches our lives on a day-to-day, -day, one way or the other. We've got, we are talking uh, parenting a child with ADHD. Let's welcome our guest speaker, Viji. Welcome. Thank you very much, Fikile and Neo, and thank you for having me. Thank you for honoring our invite, Viji. You know, we're talking about um, parenting a child with ADHD, but we don't know what that is. But before you can tell us what is ADHD, what are the things to look for? Because you cannot just wake up knowing that your child has ADHD. Please re um, introduce yourself. Okay. So I'm Virginie Matsi, and I am a mother of a 17-year-old child living with ADHD. I, I do work in the corporate business, in the insurance sector for my day-to-day -day living. Uh, for fun, I enjoy hiking and being social with my friends. I do enjoy traveling as well. And... Um, I, I like to think that I'm an extrovert, even though it doesn't always come across that way, but I, I do get my energy from people. And uh, yeah, I think that's me in a nutshell. Wow, wonderful. Thank you. So at least we are hearing it from the horse's mouth today as to how to parent a child with ADHD. I do understand that you've got a presentation. You can go ahead. Thank you very much, Figile. So I'm just going to project it. Okay, so good evening, everyone. Um, so this is exactly what I'll be talking about, my experience with parenting a child with ADHD. But before we get into my story, um, I'm going to give you a little bit of education around ADHD, some information you may already have, um, but it's really just to share my perspective on living with a child that has ADHD. So I'm just gonna to proceed to the next slide. This is very important for me, just to put out a disclaimer that whatever I share today is not um, medically, it's, it's not expert advice, okay? It's just based on my personal experience. So please, before you make any decisions, seek the advice of a medical professional because they are qualified to give you the correct information and to help you assess uh, with, where you're at with your child as well as to give you the necessary treatment. So just putting those disclaimers out there. Okay, so now what is ADHD? That's what we're gonna talk about. That's first up on the agenda. Secondly, I will then share my personal parenting story. And then I'm going to just tell you what helped me personally. It may or may not help you. And finally, some economic opportunities that I've learned over time. Okay, so first of all, what is ADHD? 
a lot of people had a, have a lot of different definitions for ADHD, but it is an abbreviation for attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. It is different from ADD. So uh, just keep that in mind. There is hyperactivity involved. And as you see, they, each child experiences, experiences the condition uniquely. So um, not each child will manifest it in exactly the same way. And it is a neurodevelopmental disorder. Okay, so it's definitely a condition. The attributes of ADHD is in those three um, categories, which is hyperactivity and impulsiveness. There is inattentive, inattentiveness. And then there's the combined type. So if you have hyperactivity plus in inattentiveness, that is ADHD combined. So what are some of the symptoms or traits of ADHD? Um, the common ones are poor concentration, disorganization, impulsivity, hyperactivity, mood instability, and emotional dysregulation. These are just some of the attributes of, of ADHD, there can be many others and it can manif manifest in, in different ways as well. So it's important to observe your child and see how they play out these symptoms. Okay, so if I just go to my next screen, it's just important to note that when your child is ADHD, the symptoms that they have when they are younger do progress and become different during their teenage years. So they might be a little bit calmer, but there are other things that happen to them. So for example, during the teenage years, the ADHD can be accompanied by depression and anxiety as well. So it's very important as a parent to monitor your child, look at their behavior. If they are withdrawn and they just want to be in their room all the time, uh, that's typical of teenagers, but when you have an ADHD teenager, you want to pay special attention to their behavior so that you can rule out all possibilities and give them the support that they need. Okay, so before I go on to my story, there are different treatments for ADHD, and usually doctors recommend a a combination of treatment. Okay, so before we even go into the treatment, it's important that you get a qualified professional to diagnose your child. So don't self-diagnose based on what you see. There are psychiatrists which are qualified to give a proper assessment of your child's condition. They look at things like hereditary, they look at possible causes, um, they look at the behaviors of family members, there's, there's a whole range, they conduct tests, um, scans, and, and all of that. You can also get a psychologist who is qualified to also help you determine whether your child has indeed um, got ADHD. So some of the support that can be given to uh, children with ADHD is medication, which is stimulants, and that obviously helps with the chemical balance in, in their brains. There are non-stimulants like vitamins, um, omega-3s, etc., that can help. Um, and then antidepressants can be prescribed by a qualified doctor once again um, if your child shows signs of depression that's accompanying the ADHD. 
non-medication based. So this is the behavior therapy if you can get them there. And that is where a psychologist or an educational psychologist comes in really handy. Um, so that is quite important. Psychotherapy so that they can have somebody to talk to, express themselves to, feeling safe, feeling like the, they are not judged when they talk to this person. This is really important. And you can also have them um, attend social skills training because often um, they can be socially awkward. It's not that they want to be. It's just, you know, how their brain operates. Um, and they can attract criticism and not understand why the world is responding to them in a certain way when, you know, they are behaving or exhibiting um, unusual behavior. And then there are support groups. That's probably the one thing that I haven't drawn on. Um, but there are other communities where there are similar parents or children with the condition that share best practices. And if you're really not coping as a parent and need that kind of support, you can uh, go to support groups like the myadhd.co.za um, where you can get uh, that kind of support as well. All right, so my story. So this is the part um, where I just talk about my personal experience. Uh, so that's me and my son. Um, and he was born in 2005 to me as a single parent. So he's always had a single, uh, single parent. And for the most part in his early development before preschool years, uh, his, his development was quite normal. There was nothing obscure or unusual or anything like that. During Chris, he was absolutely fine. He was a healthy, energetic boy. And um, it was only during his uh, grade naught or grade R when the teacher started observing him and uh, just called me in to discuss uh, certain uh, observations that they have made, and they mentioned this thing called ADHD. Now, as a young mother, I had no idea what they were talking about. So I went home and I researched it. And at that time, there wasn't, I feel, there wasn't sufficient information or awareness or knowledge about it. So it was very puzzling to me. Um, but I kept on reading about it and they mentioned to me that I would have to get him on medication. As you can imagine, when you have a five or six year old that has to take schedule six medication, that's not an easy decision to make. So what I then did was I took the risk anyway and I went to a qualified pediatrician. Sorry, I am just getting some feedback. Okay, I think it's stopped now. I went to a, a recommended uh, pediatrician, very expensive, um, but he then prescribed this medication. We started off with a low dosage and, um, you know, I was yeah, observing my child just to see how he's going to respond to it, feeling very guilty about giving him this medication because I've read about the side effects as well, the, lo the long-term effects, um, but I gave it to him because that is what he needed to be able to get through school. When he progressed to grade one, two, early primary school, 
he did fairly well in his schooling. Um, obviously, every now and then I would get called in for some behavioral problems. Um, and I began to realize that, you know, at a certain age, that this ADHD thing is actually real. And I did some more research around what I can do. And a lot of the recommendations that came about is changing his diet, making sure that he eats healthy, making sure that he is in the right environment, that um, his sleep routine is good, that his daily routine is good, that he has lots of play space and play time, etc. And so I tried my very best to ensure that he had that. Um, and then when he was in his later years in primary school, you know, the symptoms change slightly. And obviously, you know, certain behavioral things like getting into fights and um, just other things that teachers always complain about. I was regularly called in for that um, until one of the teachers actually said to me, maybe you should put him in a school where um, he can be accommodated for because at that time he was in a normal public school and they didn't have the resources to be able to, to deal with a child that has a special learning needs. So I then took him to a school that I could afford, which had smaller classes, but it's the school's uh, personnel still didn't know how to handle um, children with this condition. So he was there for a little while and um, he was on the medication, but he was on the medication on and off, um, mostly because... One, I would still feel guilty about him being on the medication, but also the medication was quite expensive. Um, and so if you're not on a good medical plan, it, 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 it can become a lot. Uh, the other thing is not just anybody can prescribe the medication. So if you need the medication, you need to go to a psychiatrist, which is very, very expensive. You can have a GP, a general uh, practitioner prescribe it, but often, you know, they, they don't have enough knowledge to be able to treat the condition the way that a specialist like a psychiatrist would. So I was very inconsistent and probably didn't do him any justice. But also I looked at how he was responding to the medication. He actually didn't like the way it made him feel because it inhibits it inhibits him. Um, it makes him quiet in a zombie-like state. He would not be able to eat. Um, he would get headaches. He would be nauseous. Um, and it really just didn't make him feel good. Um, and so often I would just then stop the medication so he could feel better. But one psychiatrist actually said to me, mom, so if your child had diabetes, would you say that you're not going to give him the medication because he doesn't like the way it makes him feel? And then the penny dropped for me that this medication is actually very necessary to treat this condition. So I needed to make sure, make a decision to help my child realize that we are treating a condition and we are actually helping him. So I spent a lot of time trying to create a 
support structure for him and to make sure that he understands the reason why he needs the medication to get the right type of medication for him specifically. Um, so we've tested lots of different types of medication um, and also to help him get alternative medication that actually balances out some of the um, side effects that he has from the concentration medication. So it's been quite a long journey and um, I am actually fortunate that I was in a position to try all these different things before we could get to a place where I feel that we are somewhat um, stable in terms of the support mechanism. I have a very supportive family. My parents have been amazing um, in terms of understanding that this is a condition and the support that I needed. They've been absolutely phenomenal. Um, and I've been able to obviously have a good medical aid, which has really, really helped. Um, and so, so that's been really, really good. I think if I reflect back, some of the regrets I have is actually listen, listening to the opinions of non-informed people. When your child behaves in a certain way, everybody feels like they have the answer for you based on their own parenting experiences, uh, based on what they think is best. And some of them even dismiss the idea of uh, this being a condition. So with me being a young parent at that point in time, I obviously listened to what I considered wisdom um, and actually it didn't do any justice to, to my child. So for me, make sure that you do your own self-education research, make sure it's fact-based, talk to the doctors, um, read up until you understand this condition properly, look at your, your child's behavior, look at what works for them, what doesn't, um, protect them love them, make them feel loved and create a safe space for them where they feel like they can be themselves and show them that you believe in them. So those are things that I've learned over time, which has actually helped, but it's not been an easy journey. Uh, as you can imagine, we've had lots and lots of different challenges, but I'm also a, a worshiper, a spiritual person, and that Part of my life has really given me a lot of strength uh, to be able to get through the difficult times. Um, and yeah, I think just continuing to research and see what the latest is. There is um, new types of medications that are released every now and then. So I do keep up to date with that. It's very, very important. Um, I know that when we started out with the medication, there are different types of uh, medication like Ritalin. Uh, there's a slow release one, and then there's one that is given in, in increments. There is another version of that called Concerta, which is quite popular in, in previous years. And there are a couple of generics that are now available like Nucon and Contramil and so forth. Those are all the concentration medications. There are also other types of medications. Oh, by the way, it's not limited to those. Those are just the ones that, that I've used for my child. And then there's also, as they get older, some medication that helps them to sleep um, and just to manage their moods. 
like uh, there's Zolexa, and then for any depression symptoms, there's Aleximal and so forth. But as I mentioned at the outset, make sure that you talk to your doctor and let them prescribe the medication for you because they know the right dosage. They know when to increase and decrease the do dosages. And they also give you advice around what extra support to give to your child as well. So that is my personal story. Um, and it's not over. It's still a journey. He's a teenager now. And, um, Can I jump in there before you, you continue, yes. Reggie? Yes. Thanks, thanks for, for, for that uh, beautiful intro and, and your life story. Um, I, I don't know if, if it's something that you will cover. Um, when you're going forward, but um, one quick question: You mentioned that uh, there's a difference between ADHD and ADD. Um, can ADHD uh, at the later stage of 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 one's life change to ADD, or you always have ADHD? ADHD. What am I saying? <laughs> ADHD forever. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why it's important to have your, your child under the care of a doctor because they will be able to tell you mm. if your child is transitioning or not. What okay. I've found and heard is, you know, usually if your child has ADD, it's without the age. Mm. So they don't have that hyperactivity yeah. disorder or that yeah. need to fidget all the time or to be busy and can't sit still. Yeah and just needs to always be be busy with something that's the, the the h and the add is really just the attention deficit so a, mm. a child could be quiet and well behaved and yet there's inattention so it's, it's also important mm. for parents of add children to also observe their their children and their work and to pay attention when teachers are telling them that you know, there's there's something that might need to be investigated around the child's concentration, and it can be many different factors. So when they do the tests, they test um, some of the physiological stuff as well, like the child's hearing, their vision, um, you know, all these kinetic mechanisms to rule out any possibilities before they make the diagnosis. So it's very important to ensure that you um, seek the, 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 the care of a medical professional because they'll be able to give you an accurate diagnosis. Does that answer your question? Yeah, it does. It does. Well, this, uh, I mean, your answer I like covered the whole show. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> maybe I just maybe I just let you continue with with your presentation, and uh, we'll have questions coming in uh, after your presentation. Okay. So these are just some things that have helped me personally, and perhaps if somebody has gone through a similar journey, they can share what's helped them as well. But what's helped me personally is having access to medical professionals and medication. As I mentioned, it's very expensive. I recall the first time I had to see a psychiatrist, it was 4,000 Rand for the first consultation. And every consultation after that was just under 2,000 Rand. And psychiatrists, by the way, take um, payment up front. 
and you claim back from your medical aid. So, you know, it's cash out of your pocket that you have to claim back and often you don't get the full amount back. So it is very expensive. Um, and the, the second time that I found a new psychiatrist for the first session, the first session is always the most expensive one. I paid 6,000 rent. So, you know, you have to save for, for many, many, many months. Um, but it, it's worth it when you are investing in the well-being of your child. As mentioned earlier, the medication can also be very expensive, but you can put it under the chronic option. And that's why it's important to have a comprehensive medical aid option if you can. Uh, because when you have a comprehensive medical aid option, they often do cover chronic medications. And you may find yourself paying some levies, which are not that bad because you have that comprehensive medical aid cover. So uh, that's, that's quite important. Um, and that's, that's been quite helpful for me. The self-education that I mentioned earlier, so just researching and making sure that even the medication itself, look at the ingredients in there and look at what it could mean. Look at what those side effects are, how they will manifest in your child, what they could potentially cause. Um, and, and, you know, make sure that you, you, you make an informed decision around that. I do know of parents that choose not to medicate their, their children and go the non-medication route. And that's absolutely the right of, of the parent to make that decision. Um, but obviously we, we, we don't want to do the child in, in injustice. So, um, hence I said, do the self-education as much as possible. Regular contact with teachers. So the teachers, you don't even really have to prompt them or probe them. They will contact you. Your child's diary will come with red writing all the time. Or you'll get a phone call to say, Miss Matsu, we are concerned about your child's behavior and progress. And then you know, right? Um, but also what you can do when your child is in school is you can ask for reasonable accommodation. So this is things like letting them have extra time to write, okay? And you can have a, a request for their test question to be read out to them. You can request for them to write the exam in a separate venue. These are all things that you can ask for and the teachers don't necessarily offer it. But if you can get your specialist to write a letter requesting for reasonable accommodation, the teachers have to comply with that. Okay, but it's, it's also just important to know how your child's progressing and what extra support you can give to your child. The family support structure, as I mentioned, my family has been absolutely instrumental in that. Um, they have just been behind me 100% of the way and just making sure that I don't feel alone in this journey. A good routine always good for a child with uh, ADHD. If you get that right, it does minimize uh, some of your problems, but obviously you want to make sure that you're consistent. Some of the recommendations um, get to a point where they tell you to write out a chart and literally have a step-by-step -step routine for your child each day. And I can say that it is definitely necessary to have something like that because even the basics are things that they need to be reminded of. A healthy diet, 
especially omega-rich foods and vitamins, that is absolutely healthy. And uh, if you can include it in your in your diet, uh, fish, you know, omega-rich fish, and um, also just good quality omega vitamins, those also do help. And then outdoor exercise, um, that's also very helpful when they have the H, right? The hyperactivity disorder. So that is one where they, they've got an abundance of energy and they just need to ex exert themselves. They need to just, you know, get rid of all that energy. And so, you know, create the space for them to be able to jump, to climb trees, to run, to do whatever it is that they need to do to get this, to get rid of this energy. And when they become teenagers, um, you know, they can get into some type of sport so that they can get rid of this energy in a constructive, in a constructive way rather than a destructive way, because they are prone to accidents. They are prone to, they have low impulses. Um, their sense of danger is, is, is slightly less than an ordinary person. So, it is important to just make sure that they have some type of ex exercise or structured way of, of getting rid of all that energy. And then reinforcing positive behavior. So uh, ADHD children get a lot of criticism and, and from everywhere, right? So they, they often then have low self-esteem as a result. They expect the worst um, so when they do something positive, it's always good to just, uh, co commend them for something that they've done well, uh, to show them appreciation and love. Uh, but it's also important to help them realize the consequences of, of negative behavior so that they, they are also aware of, of the difference between the two. And then patience. So that's something you're going to need for the rest of your life as a parent, of an ADHD child because it, it is different than having um, somebody who does not have ADHD. There's a lot more that you need to understand, invest in, learn about, um, cope with. And so uh, cultivating patience becomes very important and, and to support your child. What has also helped, and I see a lot of these popping up recently is the online schools. So my child is currently in an online school and what that's helped with is for me to be able to monitor his progress, um, to get notifications when things are due so that I can ensure that he submits things on time. Um, you know, the fact that he has the space to just be himself and often he'll want to tap something. It could be fidgeting with something or just tapping something. Um, and often that can be a distracting noise. And so in a classroom environment where there's other kids, it's disturbing for them. But when they're at home, they, they obviously have the freedom to be able to do that and, and still carry on. So I would say an online school is good, but ensure that it's an online school that also understands um, ADHD and the condition and is able to, to help you with the reasonable accommodations and uh, and so forth but there are also in-person schools or traditional schools where they do accommodate um, ADHD and, and other um, neurological conditions 
um, and they have assisted learning, but of, often these schools are very expensive and like really, really expensive. And so if you can't afford that, the next best thing is doing um, online schooling, but obviously doing your homework and your research around that. Some of the, the schools that I found are really helpful that are popping up now is Things like uh, the Impact School, it was traditionally a homeschooling, but now they've got an online component. You've got Kira Online um, that's uh, developing really well. And then you've got Think Digital, that's also an online school. Um, and I forgot what's the, the, the fourth one, but they, they're popping up all over. Just make sure that you look at, oh, uh, it's actually UCT Online. So just make sure that you look at what they offer and what they're able to accommodate um, for for your child and their learning needs as well. But it is a much more cost-effective option than to go to a school with bricks and mortar. Okay. And then finally, some economic opportunities that I've learned over time. So as you can imagine, you spend a lot of money making sure that your child is adequately supported. So as I mentioned, where you can save some money is by having a comprehensive medical aid. The temptation or the idea of having a cheaper medical aid, it might be appealing. But when you start to add up how much comes out of your pocket, if you don't have comprehensive medical aid, it, it may add up to a lot more than you just paying a little bit extra on a comprehensive medical aid every month. So just think about that carefully. Look at the medical aid options if you are employed um, permanently and you do have access to this benefit, then just make sure that um, you leverage that. And then the generic medication options. So those are cheaper versions of the, the actual medication, but also just consider what your child responds to or not. So um, I, re I recall a pharmacist trying to convince me to switch to a cheaper version or generic version of the medication. And I would not have had to pay any levy fees as a result, but my child responded very poorly to that version of the medication. So I reverted back to the original medication and I was actually willing to pay the levy so that he doesn't have um, those terrible side effects. So just uh, consider that. And then the chronic medicine uh, benefits. So again, if you have a comprehensive medical aid cover, um, get a letter from the specialist so that you can access your chronic medication benefits because it does become cheaper and it doesn't come out of your your savings and and you can then prolong your your savings in your medical aid if you have that option and then access to uh, psychological benefits and um, your medical aid plan so this is something that I actually learned this year so my son goes to a psychologist every week. And so you can imagine it's quite expensive. Um, and so it can deplete your savings very quickly. But the psychologist then said, okay, apply for what they call a PMB approval. And this is where she wrote a motivation for my medical aid to give me access to the PMB approval, which then meant that 
the psych psychological sessions that he has actually come out of a different benefit, which then doesn't impact on my savings. And that gives you about 15 sessions per year where it's paid out of that particular benefit. And that's actually uh, really helped. And then also when you do have a child with a disability and uh, it's officially diagnosed by a psychiatrist, you can then claim back from SARS, okay? Um, there is a form that the doctor can fill in um, and you can then put that into your into your SARS um, e-filing that you do on a yearly basis and you can actually get a, a rebate for that. And you can claim not only for the medical expenses, but also if your child does go to a special school and any special provisions that you have to make to accommodate them for their disability, SARS does actually acknowledge that and, and you can get a very decent uh, rebate for that. Okay. And then the last one is around rebates from companies or for companies who employ people with disabilities. So this is also just encouraging in terms of the work or employment opportunities that exist for people with neurological disorders. So in South Africa, I haven't particularly seen um, a lot of programs that prepare neurologically impaired individuals for the workspace, but I do know that companies who do employ people with disabilities can actually um, claim back on their skills levy and they can get a, a very decent rebate for employing and developing people with disabilities. So they can work and the company just needs to, again, make reasonable accommodation for them and, um, and, and ensure that they are able to cope with the work that they are doing. And also encourage people to declare their disabilities because often people feel that they will be stigmatized or um, that it will disadvantage them if they declare their, declare their disability, but actually it does the opposite. So the company is obliged to ensure that these individuals, um, that their working conditions are, uh, are good for them and uh, that they can cope within the confines of their conditions. I've read some research around the UK where there's far more advanced programs that help uh, prepare uh, these individuals for the workplace, that help them to transition into the workplace, and that actually even give them access to employment. So I'm hoping that in South Africa, we can adopt some of those practices so that it can be fair for um, neurologically impaired individuals to, to access employment as well and to provide for themselves. And I hope to contribute to that research as well one day. So that is what I have for you in terms of um, my presentation. And I'm happy to take any questions or comments. I've learned a lot. I, th I thought I knew enough about ADHD until um, I looked at your spreadsheet. You, not spreadsheet. <laughs> Look at me going spreadsheets now. Your presentation. And and what really intrigued me is um, you could also uh, claim for expenses uh, for disability from SARS. Correct. Which I never thought that, that could work. Um, on our connection there on Telegram, we have somebody who's 
in HR, I, I wonder if they, they can comment um, on, on this part. Uh, how do they deal with issues like this when there's a disability, uh, somebody declared disability when they started working? And the disability, has it been ADHD uh, other than the normal, not the normal, but uh, what we used to as disability? Because for me, ADHD, I didn't see it as a disability until right. until I hear you say. Uh, what, what do you think? I, I, I was about to say the very same thing that I never knew that ADHD is a is a disability, you know. And uh, one thing I wanted to find out from Virginie is that um, how will I know? I, 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 you, you mentioned when you started your presentation that you need to keep an eye on your child's behavior. But uh, oftentimes we we... I'm not a med medical profession. And when another parent says, uh, my child who is just hyperactive uh, just assumes that your child has ADHD, how do you differentiate um, the, the two? Yeah, so that's very important. And that's why there's a lot of caution given to parents to give enough time to be able to assess whether it is just natural um, hyperactivity as a normal child would um, or if there's more to it and usually they they use the age of seven mm -hmm. to gauge um, you know whether an intervention is required or if an assessment needs to take place and often because at seven they start school and they're in an environment where the, the teacher can start observing um, their behavior relative to their peers. And if, it, if there's acute symptoms or um, behaviors that, that show up, then, you know, it can be brought to your attention by means of the teacher, like in my, in my case. Mm -hmm. um, but if you as a parent have concerns as well, it's, it's also good for you to just go and look for um, answers perhaps from a, a medical professional, but never self-diagnose. Uh, you know, uh, that, that's where the data is on um, self-diagnosing uh, your child. Um, because I had an, inc an incident when my daughter was still young, that she was just hyperactive. But the teachers at school assumed it was ADHD. You know, and uh, more yeah. often, hence I asked you, how do I differentiate the two, you know, as a mother, other than seeking professional help? Because even though the intervention is required, you mentioned how expensive that can be. I can imagine mm. taking my, my, my child to see a psychologist or psychiatrist and pay 4000 just for a consult for a doctor to tell me that, no, it's a no. But I know that some yeah. of the schools, a disclaimer, I'm not mentioning anybody, um, but the, I, I know that some schools are working with certain doctors like psychologists, psychiatrists, and you find that they're referring more of their students to those doctors, you know, for a long mm. period of time. I'm not saying it is wrong for a child to see a psychiatrist or a psychologist, even if there's nothing wrong. But I, 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 I just want to know as to how cautious can I be as a parent to say, no, you cannot take me, you cannot refer my child 
to see a a a a, a psychiatrist or a psychologist based on one to three what is it that i have to look for as a parent when i get that feedback from the teacher i can tell you my so, personal Reggie, yeah before before you you answer that question uh really mm-hmm. so when they when you saying they're referring the child to the psychologist or uh yeah um do you fit the bill you fit the bill you pay be... the bill you pay you oh. pay the, the the psychologist you pay the psychiatrist wow okay all right veggie <laughs> hence it's my yeah, concern it's, 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 <laughs> yes it's, it's not an easy yeah. thing um and there are obviously people who can't afford it and there are resources available and I'll, I'll talk to that just now. Okay. But Figile, just to talk to you about where you should start becoming concerned is there will be signs mm-hmm. that your child's um, behavior is out of the norm, out of the ordinary. It will be in how they, they interact with other children Um, and you'll get feedback from multiple people as well besides the the teacher it might be a a teacher where they do the extra murals for example I remember that my child did uh, gymnastics uh, for a long time when he was when he was younger and the coach would uh, talk to me about how he interacts with the other kids. He would pinch the other kids, you know, um, and it, you know, he he just it just wasn't uh, friendly with them. In the classrooms, for example, he just couldn't sit still. You would climb on on everything, and um, even when the teacher tells him to to sit still, he would just struggle. Right. Um, and there are many other odd behaviors for for a child that age or that will start telling you that, that perhaps you should be concerned. Perhaps so if you so absolutely feel as a parent, I think I'm just getting some parent, feedback. Getting some mm-hmm. feedback. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, thank you. Uh, no, so thank you. So what I would say is also if you've tried certain things, for example, changing your child's routine, you know, maybe not giving them sweets before bed or sugary things before bed, and you give them um, their omega-3s, you make sure they eat healthy, you make sure they get enough sleep, um, you know, all the, the stuff around their well-being is sorted and the behavior persists. Then you you have to start getting concerned as a parent, especially if you are also teaching them good values, you're teaching them the right way to behave, you're rewarding them for good behavior, um, and you perhaps disciplining or punishing them for incorrect behaviors, etc. Those are things that you can look at as well. Um, And it's important, you know, to pick it up when they're younger, because it has the potential to evolve and I've seen it in the teenage years into juvenile delinquency. Mm-hmm. And it makes me so sad that a lot of these juvenile delinquents very likely have this condition, but it's dismissed as exactly that, just young criminals. Um, 
and and yet if they receive the necessary help they could be good citizens in 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 the country so and also for for kids when they grow up and they become teenagers right mm-hmm. and they don't have the right level of support they have the potential to self medicate and you don't want that because there's some dangerous things out there and there are people very happy to sell stuff to your kid mm-hmm. and for your kid all they want to do is feel better mm-hmm. right they just mm-hmm. want to feel better and so anything that's going to make them feel better they they're going to they're going to take that so as difficult as it is as a parent i'd say i would rather have the diagnosis done than not done um you know and some of the resources that you can access if you, if you can't afford psychiatrists and psychologists etc there's a um a place called Tara Hospital okay they offer uh, it's a government facility um and and they are in partnership with Wits University they can offer those services obviously you know you'll wait longer because it is a government institution but you can act you can at least have access to those services either for free or at a very low amount mm-hmm. um and you can make use of if if your school does offer educational psychologists you can make use of that um alternatively there's um free hotlines for counseling like the South African Depression and Anxiety Society those are all free services that you can access as a parent Mm-hmm. if you would not like to have uh, or or can't afford to to get professional services so it doesn't mean that if you don't have the money for it that you know you shouldn't be able to do something mm. about it you can always do something about it well thank you very um, much you know uh, thank you for that uh, thanks for that veggie uh, i was kind of hoping that uh in our audience would have an hr person you know uh to comment on on the workplace uh, where they they would be dealing with disability um if there is please um I, i'm noting one on on telegram but uh, we didn't prepare her for that okay but if if she's able to comment on that uh, she can raise her hand and and comment and then the second question you as a parent reggie um majority of your presentation you talked about how how to handle um a child who's who's ADHD and what to do where to go what medication to to take how does that affect you as a parent mentally and, and emotionally sure um sure. do you have tissues <laughs> <laughs> i have some the virtual ones <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll one. yeah. yes, it is important to know how you're feeling. <laughs> yeah, I think it depends on your personality um and your levels of um stress coping um capacity. So, you know, in in the way I respond to things generally is first um in a practical way so i'd always look at you know what needs to be done practically i'd want to know what i can do to solve the problem um but the the, the part where you cry at night in your bed alone is when there there's very little that you can do to help your child feel better you know 
to watch your child um, feeling terrible because of the side effects of the medication, it's, it's not a nice feeling. To watch your child being criticized or being mistreated by other people because they don't understand what's happening to him, that's not nice. Um, and sometimes other children being mean to to him or her it's it's actually they they can be prone to bullying as well and so mm-hmm. um they can also develop their own defense mechanism which which is <laughs> not not always good um but those are all things that that make you feel terrible and helpless as a parent because i think if you're any a caring parent what you'd almost want is for you to have that condition and not for your child to have to deal with it because they're so young and helpless and they don't understand what's happening to them. Mm. They don't understand why the world is not accepting them the way they are um, and why they're being compared to to another child, etc. Um, so, you know, it's it's that. And then I think... Being around moms whose children are excelling is probably a very difficult thing because moms love to talk about how wonderful their children are doing, the the, the straight A's that they're getting, the trophies, um, the the extramurals, the you know all these accomplishments. And when you as a parent can't do the same, you know it it does affect you emotionally and so forth. But you know, um, I think I've grown over time emotionally and strengthened um, my stress uh, coping mechanisms and taking action is is actually what's helped me. Instead of sitting back, feeling sorry for myself, um, I just move forward and just try new things, better ways um, of, of how to make my child feel supported. And when he's all right, then I'm all right, you know, mm-hmm. um, but it's, it's not easy. So some, so having someone to talk to, I have a coach that I talk to and, um, I speak to her sometimes once a month and sometimes twice a month. And that's obviously a safe space for me to, to just express what I'm feeling. And I pray as well that that helps me um, to cope, you know. And as I said, I have a a loving family um, that is also very understanding. But, you know, it does affect you as a parent. And sometimes you feel like you are inadequate as a parent or perhaps this child would have fared better if the circumstances were different. So if they were in a nuclear family where there was two parents, for example, or if they were in the hands of a parent better equipped to deal with um, with this. Because as I said, I was quite young when I had my child. So often I would feel like, oh man, you know, um, why did I have a child at such a young age? Maybe if I waited, I would have been able to deal better with it. But those thoughts actually just don't do any justice. Um, they are just despondent thoughts and they, they don't really help the situation. So it's also just trying to keep um, a positive mindset and feeding yourself with things that uplift you rather than weigh you down. But it's a constant battle because you can never say you've reached a, de- a destination. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's an ongoing journey. So you always have to be mindful. So if you yourself feel like you're going into a dip, you know, emotionally, it's also just important to be aware of that. 
um, and to to do things to uplift yourself. So um, I also find when I'm not eating healthy or I'm not exercising or um, I'm not doing what I'm supposed to for my own well-being, then, you know, I'm also not equipped to be able to help him. And so I always just try and also be mindful of those things so that I can be the best parent that, that he needs right now. And, um, yeah, I think that's, those are some of my coping mechanisms, but it's, it's not an easy thing to, to have to deal with. Um, especially when you feel like, um, you're the only one in your friendship circles or in your in your social circles that has to deal with this. And as I said earlier, there are support groups. I, I personally haven't joined them just because I haven't had the time and I have not prioritized that. But there are support groups out there that you can perhaps lean on. And, and where parents of, of similar um, of kids that, that also have ADHD can, can provide that support. So mm-hmm. um, it's, it's, it's quite important to just be aware of your own emotional state and knowing when to do something about it. Wow. We appreciate you, Virginie, for sharing your life with us. I mean, I've learned quite a lot today. Um, I thought I knew what ADHD is, uh, only to find that I I, I knew uh, 0.00005% of it. Um, and thank you for your information today. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, and uh, just, uh, you know, a, a word of encouragement from my side is... Um, uh, to all the parents uh, with uh, children with ADHD, I think they are more closer to their children more than parents with, um, I don't want to say normal children, you know, because um, I'll be starting to to classify them yes. as, as not normal. But um, yeah, but I, I think you, you guys are, are more closer to your children because they need more attention from you. And uh, one thing that you can really appreciate is the bond that you build in between you as a parent and a child. Nothing can take that away from you. And whenever you feel that low, hitting your lowest ebb, just remember, um, if they were not there in your life, your life would not be the the same. You know, you'd be doing other things, but not with value that you, you, you are able to do with, with your children. So keep on being strong. Uh, and thank you for sharing your experience. And thanks to your child as well for letting you sh- uh, share your experience with him, uh, about him as well. And um, we, we do have um, one of the audience that also has a child with ADHD. And I hope that that also uh, really helped him um, from what you just presented there. And uh, thank you so much for joining us. Um, unfortunately, we've run out of time. You know, all the time when we speak about these engaging topics, <laughs> we run out of time so very quick. But um, yeah, I guess that's what makes us want to come back I once mean, again yeah. and have these type of shows. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, we, we, we wouldn't be here. <laughs> yeah, we hope that you, 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 you'll come back one day and, and hopefully not charge us. Ne? 
Please don't charge us, but we would like to have you again. I mean, after you join the support group, you'll let us know as to, oh no, the support group doesn't work um, or it it works, you know, to encourage other mothers out there to say, look, um, I didn't, I thought I had enough support, but I think the support group is offer, offering me better than what I was getting from my family, from um, everybody around me. So please do. Thank you. And for the parents with children with ADHD, this is for you. All right. Thank you for us signing out from our show. Uh, we have these shows every Mondays at uh, 6.30 and we uh, broadcasting on Riverside FM uh, as our main platform. And we also have audience uh, that are connecting on Telegram. We also in, um, like to thank you for connecting. We also have Twitter. Uh, we won't forget about that. Um, we're streaming live there on Twitter and also on TikTok. Yes. And for TikTok, uh, what's your handle, Figile? At, at Figile what? It's at fpp.figile at fpp.figile and this show is being recorded and will be uploaded on YouTube and the YouTube channel is uh, Get Informed 2 uh, 2 is T-O-O so Get Informed 2 so it will be uh, uploaded there. It will also be on podcast, Apple Podcast um, it will also be on Spotify uh, Google Podcast so every platform that, that's available there will have our show on it. So if you missed the, the live show, this is where you can catch us. So thank you so much, everyone, for joining. And this is Naomara Pedi, your host, and Figile Ngosi, my co-host, and we're signing out. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs>